Hello and welcome to Spy Hard's podcast. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. And we are here continuing our journey into 2023's Ghosted, the Anna Diarmas Chris Evans comedy spy film. But we have a very special guest joining us, Cam. Yes, we are joined by Garrett Warren, who was the second unit director and stunt coordinator on Ghosted, and has also worked in the past on films like Avatar 1 and 2, Logan, Mission Impossible 3, Real Steel, and so much more. Yes, quite the uh, quite the filmography, this man. But we're here to talk about Ghosted, and we're going to sneak in a few other spy movie questions. Don't you worry, folks. So without further ado, let's get back to the Ghosted fun. And joining us now on the show, a man that is responsible for films like Avatar, Logan, Alice in Wonderland, Real Steel, Alita Battle Angel, and he's here today to discuss one of his most recent films, Ghosted, its second unit director and stunt coordinator extraordinaire, Mr. Garrett Warren. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks. What a great introduction, man. Thank you so much. Well earned and well deserved, and there's plenty more accolades where that came from. And there's actually a lot of spy movies in your back catalogue that uh, one day I think we'll, we'll we'll get into. But I know your time is short with us today, so I think we're going to jump right into the film we're talking about this week, which is Ghosted. Great. Um, the first question I have is really, how did that project come to you? How did you first learn about Ghosted, and uh, sort of what interested you about the film? Uh, first of all, the director interests me. His name is Dexter Fletcher. He's an amazing man. I can't tell you how uh, he's one of my most favorite people to work with. I, he's so much fun, and he's one of the most uh, gifted directors out there. He was an actor at first. I'm sure you guys know who Dexter Fletcher was. Um, you know, did Rocket Man, Bohemian Rhapsody, blah, blah, blah. But when I um, got the call from my agent who said that they were looking for a director on this project, uh, I didn't know much about him except that he was an actor um, on all of those other movies like Lockstock and whatnot, you know? Mm -hmm. So I did research a little bit more and go, oh, wow, he did uh, do Bohemian Rhapsody and everything. So when I met him, I did have a little homework under my belt. I, do, I did know what I was talking about when I said hi to him. And he did such an amazing job in the meeting. He was so smiley and happy and warm and inviting and that is exactly one of the things that you always look for when you're someone in my shoes. And then on top of that, someone who's going to get great performances and have great ideas. And he pretty much just talked through the meeting and said, all right, I've got these ideas and, you know, this is what we're going to try and go for. And that's what made it so special to me. One thing I've noticed talking to people who've worked in second unit and stunt coordination is that there's often kind of a split between the director and the second unit where say Bond films, the second unit is off doing the action and the director really doesn't step into that. Whereas when I was doing research on Ghosted, I noticed, um, you know, Dexter Fletcher talking a lot about, for example, the bus sequence and how important that action scene was to him. I'm just curious how the dynamic worked between the two of you when it came to like action sequences. Well, you know, I went off to shoot most of the driving stuff on a second unit but let me say that we had prepped it, Dexter and myself. First of all, we went and scouted it together. He came on the scouts with me. He said this would be a great spot, right? He chose the spots that he liked all the things to happen at. He would ask my advice, of course, on what good stunt we could do and what would be something that we should overlook. Then on top of all of that, we went back to the drawing board back at the stages and we did you know, an animated previous with the VFX team. So we knew exactly what shots we wanted to do before we had done them. And basically, Dexter had already given me the roadmap and said, all right, 
if you shoot this, then you've got my my bus chase. So I really can't take the credit for conceiving, you know, the action you guys saw in front of you, but I can take the credit for executing the action you saw, you know, and some of the things that were difficult for him to grasp, like making the bus do the 180 spin, you know, and all that kind of stuff. He he wasn't exactly sure how to do that. And I've been fortunate enough to come up with a number of movies that think outside the box. You mentioned one like Alice in Wonderland, Avatar. Those things have gifted me with the ability to think of how to achieve shots that might be incomprehensible, you know, but still make them look like they possibly could be done. So I come up with those things. Those are the things that I create. And I say, don't worry, I've got this. and I'm going to do it this way. Then he signs off on it. We do. Um, I think one of the fun things about my second unit was every time I did a shot within three to five minutes of doing the shot, I cut it together and put it into the previs that we had so that Every time I did a shot, we updated the previs. I would send it off to Dexter just off of my iPhone real quickly. I'd send it off to him saying, what do you think? And he'd say, fantastic. That's amazing. And then another one. And then another one. And by the end of the day, you know, we have a big chunk of that previs already filled in. And it was basically like just filling in a puzzle. And that's how we did the bus sequence. Mm. Wow. And just sort of like transplanting, because the two big sequences in terms of action in that film for me is the bus and the sort of revolving restaurant and uh, you know we are speaking about ghosted this week and immediately when i finished watching the film i sent you an email just saying i love what you did and I i've never had that experience before where i've been so moved by action in the film that i thought i'm going to track down the man responsible for making that happen and i'm going to i'm going to drag him kicking and screaming onto spy house to talk about it so <laughs> i mean credit to you for making it mean something because there's a lot of we look at a lot of spy action films on the show, but I feel like you really brought a different energy to those sequences and they really do stand out in the film. Thank you so much. That's really nice of you to say, because that really is the goal behind the action that I do. I don't do action just for action's sake or just for trailer moments. I really do try to make sure that it's character driven or story driven and that it means something. And if I get an audience member to grip the edge of their seat, to be worried or scared or happy, then I've done my job. But if people are just watching, you know, action for action's sake, then I, I always, you know, go back to the drawing board and say to myself, you've got to not do that. You've got to do something that's going to tie in the audience to the emotional part of the story. So thank you, man. I really do. I do really do appreciate that greatly. I would love to know when it comes to staging action in a comedy, because you worked on Spy as well. Like, what is the secret to pulling that off? Because you want it to be exhilarating and involving, but at the same time, there has to be like a light tone so the audience feels like they're having fun. Like, what goes into the thinking behind that? Well, you shoot the action. In a comedy, you shoot the action as serious as you possibly can. You really do. You just say to yourself, design a sequence that's real. You know, have a guy come after her, choke her. And then you say to yourself, okay, what are the things that you could grab in this location? What are the things that this person is going to use in this location? And then you go ahead and you first think along the lines of what is serious and what is real. And then you also think along the lines of, okay, what is a little ridiculous? You know, then you think along the lines of, all right, what else could I do here? You take those three versions and you kind of bake them off to yourself, to the director and to the actors. And everyone gets to go, oh, no, this is funny. This is great. And for me, I don't try to shoot comedy. I try to shoot and let the actors be funny. And if you do that, 
then, you know, the funny will find itself and you won't force it. And that's, to me, the most important thing when it comes to comedy. Mm. And I had kind of a follow-up to that. You have the Chris Evans character in this movie who is not trained as an agent. And I'm curious about co uh, coordinating and choreographing action when you have someone who, in theory, is not supposed to be able to know how to fight. Well, don't forget now, <clears throat> if you realize that he was all-state wrestler, you know, True. where he grew and so that's what we did. We swung to those strengths. We said, okay, he's not a, a great fighter, but what he does know is how to wrestle someone, you know, so he's going to grab someone and pick him up and do a slam, you know, which is what all the wrestlers do. My right hand man is a guy named Steve Brown. He's amazing. And he was all, he was, um, you know, he was all American wrestler uh, and he's amazing at it. So when it came time to do the fight, he's like, oh, I got this. This is great. You know, and trust me, anytime I mess around with him and fight him, He's always like shooting for a single or shooting to grab me into a double or something like that. So it's like, it was a no brainer. It was super easy to do that. And then Chris is already a funny guy. He has this natural um, acclimation to be doing funny things, you know? So he brings the funny. He's like, look, I don't want to do that here. What I want to do is this here. You know, I, I want to use a napkin here and think that that's going to, you know, stop him or whatever it is. And, you know, you let those guys vamp, you let them unleash and you just give them the freedom. And that's the easy part. You know, my job is not hard when it comes to working with actors. If you work with a great actor, you just let them act. My job is hard when it comes to, you know, crashing a car and making someone get hit by it for real. That's when someone can get hurt. Well, one person we haven't mentioned just yet, uh, who's become a little bit of a, a, a hero herself in the sort of spy action world, given from No Time to Die a couple of years ago, The Grey Man recently, and now Ghosted, is Anna Diarmas, of course, who you work with in this film. Just, I mean, overall, what was it like to work with Anna and sort of any stories about working with her on the set of Ghosted? You know, here's a girl that, um, you know, when we saw her in Bond, we were just like floored. We were like, yeah, nobody else is better than this. She came in and she brought the same thing to the table. She was um, already charismatic. You know, if you ask me, she's one of those people that right when they come in, they feel like they've been a star for a long time. You know, they, they've existed in this world and they know exactly what they want to do and how they want to do it. Um, for her, she was rehearsing, you know, a lot with my stunt team, you know, Steve Brown and everyone like that. We didn't use, um, you know, the double uh, unless it was something that was really rough and really hard, like a wire slam into a wall or something like that. But she was always game to go out there and do it herself. She's very athletic. So, you know, my hat's off to her. She she did pull off an awful lot. And I would love to just hear you talk a little bit about the uh, rotating restaurant sequence, which is incredibly ambitious and looks like I would imagine that one was not particularly easy to stage. You know, when they came to me with the rotating restaurant idea, when Dexter brought it up, you know, 50% of the team was like, you know, this is just too hard. We shouldn't do it. Then the other 50% is like, oh, this is interesting. No one's done it before. And, you know, you get that other argument. No one's done it before because it's too hard to do. It's just not mm -hmm. worth it, you know. Then I kind of told them, well, look, you know, growing up on the East Coast, we used to go to festivals, fairs, you know what I mean? And they would have these things called the Gravitron. I don't yeah. know if you guys know what that is. Mm -hmm. yep. I said, this reminds me of the Gravitron. And when I was a kid, one of the boss level moves you could do is try to stand on the wall and walk around the Gravitron like that. And when Dexter heard that, you know, because Dexter's from across the UK, he was like, you're kidding me. And I said, no. And then in Atlanta, while we were filming, there was a fair and they had a Gravitron. 
So back on my um, Instagram story, not story, but in my Instagram posts, you'll see the R&D we did for it. We took, I took me and Steve and some people, we went in there and we got sucked to the walls and we fought. And we tried to stand up and get on our knees and grab each other and slam people down. And I was in there trying to film it the whole time. And it was an awful lot of fun because a lot of people are, you know, even the actors are like, well, if you were stuck to the wall, you wouldn't be able to fight. And I kept saying, no, that's not true. You can. Being a guy that's done the Gravitron walk before, you can do it. It's just, it's hard. So we did the videos. We showed everyone. And they were all like, oh, my gosh, you can fight. All right. So that's how we did the research for it. Then they said, how are we going to do this? The special effects team built a turntable, right? However, the turntable wasn't the outside room. The turntable was the inside core. So you could put people on the inside core and we could step off and go, you know, or you could have a camera right here and have someone try to run and, and the camera would be like this going by as well. So the inside was spinning because that we could control. The outside was gonna to be too difficult. We couldn't build that whole set on a stage. What we did was we built a section of the window and it was just normal. Then we built another section that was on its side like this. So gravity was gonna hold you to the glass. So we mm -hmm. shot the fight two ways. One way was on the glass upright and we would do some of the fight here. Then we do some more of the fight when it's upside down. So gravity was holding people down. And then you just have to act. You know, you have to act like you're being held down. And that's how we did the fight. And then I would take a crane arm. And if you were here on it, I'd take the crane arm and just swing right by you like this. And it would make it look like <laughs> ah, you're going by the camera really fast. And that is how we did the rotating room fight. Wow. Wow. Which took longer to put together, the bus sequence or the rotating restaurant? Bus sequence. Interesting. The bus sequence was really detailed. The bus itself was a character. To Dexter, the bus itself had to be so special and so intricate and so wild and so fun. And I can't tell you how he really took great pride in that bus. He took great pride in the room, too. But don't forget, the room was just basically a restaurant. You know, yeah. the bus had paint and, you know, all kinds of eclectic things on it. And so it was an awful lot of fun to see. Um, the bus sequence was months of planning. As much as the room was months of planning, it wasn't as detailed as far as like rehearsal and things to do, because there's only so much you can do suck to the glass. You know, you're trying to punch someone and spin on the glass. And that wasn't too bad or too hard. At one point, you know, he had to turn it over to me and he had to say, OK, just help finish this. And that's when, you know, the stuff comes crashing into it. And that's where my imagination comes into play. I'm saying, okay, a green screen thing is going to come in here and it's going to hit this and take it out and it's going to look great. And even though people can't see it, I can in my mind. And that's how I did it. And what would you say, I mean, between those, probably those are the two big sequences, like we said, what was the biggest challenge you overcame in the process of making Ghosted from, from your point of view in the production? Ooh. You know what? I think the biggest challenge was the rotating room because a lot of people had a hard time grasping that idea. So that is the hardest challenge that we were faced. We had to, um, you know, we, we had to think about budget, about how much of the stage we could build. So we had to just figure out exactly how much we needed and how much we were going to use. 
And that way we wouldn't lose money or waste money at the same token visual effects is trying to like sound off as far as what what is needed practically to touch so that they can still work within it. That is like a math equation. So when it comes to doing something like that, yeah, that's probably the hardest thing to do. Right. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Calling all agents. Keeping the lights on at Spy Hards HQ ain't cheap. And frankly, nor is feeding the school of attack piranhas. So we need your help. Roger that, Scott. Only at the Spy Hards Patreon can you gain access to exclusive shows like Agents in the Field, which tackles non-spy films starring your favorite spy icons, and The Debrief, where we channel our inner solitaires and predict how the big spy movie news of today will impact tomorrow. So make like a Treadstone agent and activate your Patreon membership at patreon.com slash spyhards today. Cam, tell the people what we have in our sites this week. Scott, we are returning to Kevin Costner's 1990s glory days to revisit 1992's The Bodyguard. Will we always love this movie? We will have to find out. But before this message self-destructs, Cam, resume the spy chinks. Now, we could go further into Ghosted, but I know your time is short and you have a long list of spy movies you've worked on. So we're going to like just quick shot a couple of them, if you don't mind. Go. We'll dive in and out. The first one that jumps to my mind looking through your filmography is Mission Impossible 3. I love that. Going back a little yeah. bit, yeah. So what was your involvement with the film and sort of your memories of working on the set of Mission? So I was just one of the stunt guys, one of the many bad guys that were in the sequences. I was on it for about three weeks. The stunt coordinator and second year director was a man named Vic Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Vic Armstrong is the greatest stuntman, aside from the, say, the the Bob Browns, the Hal Needhams, the Dar Robbins, you know, those are the guys that are legends in our stunt industry who were pioneers. So was Vic Armstrong. Vic Armstrong came up with ideas way before any of us could have even fathomed them. And he was doing horse stunts that still to this day make me wonder how he didn't die. Um, he's the one that came up with that movie, and I had worked with him doing Starship Troopers. I had worked with him on Army of One. Um, the man is not only a legend, but also one of the greatest filmmakers I've ever seen in my life. People like Steven Spielberg listen to his knowledge. Um, people like you know James Cameron, anybody who is big in this business knows that this man has seen an awful lot and knows an awful lot. And so that's how I got onto it. And as far as um, you know getting killed by Tom Cruise and all that stuff. It was an awful lot of fun. It had been the third time I worked with Tom. Um, once again, I had done um, War of the Worlds. And once again, Vic Armstrong was the second year director and stunt coordinator on that. And Tom was once again on that, a true professional, an amazing actor, incredibly gifted when it comes to doing stunts and you know action, had the best time. So Mission Impossible 3 holds a special place in my heart. And the Mission Possible films are very well known for stunts, which is also part of your repertoire. Looking at the Mission films, just, you know, from a personal taste, what's your sort of favorite stunt from those films so far? Oh, man. Wrong. It's impossible. How can someone say that? Look, <laughs> I love the idea that he jumped a motorcycle off a cliff. A part of me is kind of like, I don't necessarily know that I needed it in that movie because it is more like Robbie Knievel jumping a motorcycle over the fountains or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that the fight on the train is more of a stunt to me 
That was mm. a great undertaking because they did build basically their own train and fight on top of it with wires on those guys. To me, that is more dangerous and hairy and harder to do. But don't forget, he is risking his life jumping a motorcycle. I do venture, though, to say that when someone's jumping a motorcycle and has a parachute on and they're jumping into a void, um, you know, you're basically becoming a live um, performer. You know what I mean? You're just doing like like daredevil stunts, which is cool and awesome. But the cinematography of it really does come into the fight on top of the train. So the last movie I thought was fantastic. Him hanging out of the plane. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But he is wired onto it. And it's just him holding onto a door. So it's kind of like, yeah, that's dangerous and that's wild and that's crazy. You're going up thousands of feet. But once again, you are just wired. Um, it's his run across the building and jump the gap and try to make it and not make it. That was a harder stunt. To me, that's one of the most impressive stunts you could have done. Bigger than that, if you ask me, is the car chase he did where he was flipping the car in the tight streets you know, with the little car and the motorcycle guys and he was taking them out. To me, that was probably the most impressive stunts that he had ever done. I mean, he does all of that driving mostly. As mm -hmm. much as someone else doubles him for some of the crazier things, that man is amazing when it comes to doing anything on a motorcycle, vehicle, uh, helicopter, you name it, he's great. Yeah, we've talked to other stuntmen and actors who've worked with Tom Cruise on action sequences and they just all point to just his level of focus and dedication when it comes to pulling that stuff off. I think, though, that it's, you know, I guess I can be a little bit uh, righteous on this one. It, it almost is like a like a, a guilty pleasure for him. You know what I mean? It's sure. like he gets paid to learn how to ride a motorcycle with a base jump parachute, and they did it for like a year beforehand. He had the top professionals. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? I mean, I know there's some people that are like, no, I would never do it. but the people that do go skydiving and ride motorcycles are like, dude, I'll do that for free. Anytime you, you, you have that outlet and he is that guy, he's an adrenaline junkie. He is one of those kinds of people that wants to do those things, fly planes, you know, crash cars, trains, things like that. You know, I mean, he's, he's, pretty much sitting there making a Christmas list going, what have I not done? Ooh, I want to do this. And that is epic in its essence, if you ask me, but it is still selfish at the same time. It wasn't like, I really do believe that, you know, they had the story and then someone came up with the idea of maybe Tom and he's like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. We can do this now. And they, he put in this glorified motorcycle jumper. He's like, this is going to be epic. And that's how I get to the plane, to the train. And a part of me is like, yeah, there couldn't have been an other idea to help get you on the train than this. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but God bless them. I love it. I think that if you had that money, that time, and that team, go for it, man. You know, knock your socks off, wear the clothes, do the stunt, grab the bike, you know, the, mo the parachute, and just go out there and have one of those moments in your life where you can look back going, yeah, I did that. Definitely. And another spy film you did that I have a lot of affection for, it was one that was a favorite as a teenager, was Double Team. And <laughs> I would love to know. Ah, oh, you sons of guns, man. You got to find <laughs> that one, didn't you? <laughs> I would love to know just about like what work you did on that film. I doubled Jean-Claude Van Damme and Mickey Rourke on that movie. Um, at one point, I was kind of fighting myself inside that bullfighting arena. I also doubled a number of other people on that. Um, there's a guy by a taxi cab who gets grabbed and by Dennis Rodman and thrown over the top of the taxi cab into a bus going by. And it hits me. Mm -hmm. um, dude, 
I was doubling Van Dam when I had to kick the wooden uh, wooden upright that sends the tiger into the boxes. Yep. Scared out of my mind, man. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Do you know how close that tiger is to you? And the fact that those things can cover that distance in the blink of an eye means that you could be dead right here and now. And there's a tiger trainer right behind me. And I'm walking backwards on this like little bridge. And the trainer's like, whatever you do, just don't look the tiger in the eye. I'm like, okay, great. And I'm walking backwards, not looking at it. I'm just looking at his paws. And all of a sudden he makes this roar that shook me. And I look at his eyes and I go, I looked at his eyes. I looked at his eyes. And he goes, it's okay. It's okay. He's not, he's not, he's not coming after you. And I go, oh shit. Oh shit. You know, and I get back and I'm not going to kick until he says, go ahead and kick. And he goes, now kick. I kicked that sucker and hoped he didn't kill me. You know, because I thought maybe he just jumped that thing and grabbed me like a toy and ripped me to shreds. Other than that, you know, the the toss over the yellow taxi cab, that was a rough stunt. You know, that bus that was driving by, when I went through that side window, first of all, the side window was real glass. We blew it mm. with explosives. It was poppers. So it was tempered glass that we popped. When I hit it, I wasn't going fast enough to get through the window. The window hit me and took me along, too. And I had a cup on and it broke that cup. Oh. And afterwards I came away and I was black and blue down there. And I was all nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, do I need to go to a hospital? We were in the south of France and there was no hospitals close to us at the time. And I was like, man. Um, so it was a wild experience in that sense. And then fighting in the bullfighting arena with Mickey Rourke um and Van Dam at that time. And we were shooting in a place called Arles, France. I don't know if you guys know where Arles, France is. Arles, France is in the middle of nowhere in the south of France. It's where, you know, um, I believe Van Gogh chopped his ear off or or not chopped his ear off. Maybe it was where um, one of the, maybe is that where he killed himself? I think it's where he killed himself. Or one of those um, artists uh, was living at the time and that's where they killed themselves. So it was a really weird and interesting kind of a vibe to be able to go and see these places and do these things on these spy movies that you're talking about. I was incredibly like like young at the time. You know, I had still been in the business long enough, but I was still kind of new at the time. And I had just come off of Starship Troopers when I had gone to do that. So this was kind of a wild experience for me. And yeah, it was interesting to be able to go and wear both hats when I was doubling people. Wow. Now I feel like we're uh, we're barely scratching the surface of your uh, work, so we'll have to have a round two at some point uh, and come back and uh, see what some more of these spy films you've done. So I have two questions to wrap us up with quick fire questions for you. Go for it. Firstly, the SAG strike has literally wrapped yesterday. It's all looking good now. Productions will resume soon. So what's uh, what's on the slate for you coming up? Well, <clears throat> I never stop working. I've been here the whole time. This is Derek. Say hi to Derek. Hi, Derek. Derek hey. is editing right now. Um, oh, see, he'll, he'll show you the edit right now. Oh, wow. Oh. So if you guys remember when I told you I shoot something and then put it into an edit on Ghost Edit right away, he was mm. the guy that did it for me. Mm. He's amazingly gifted. He's a great um, cinematographer. He's a great director in his own right. He's a great stunt guy as well. Um, we kind of brought him into the business, me and Steve, when um, we were doing these movies and, and taught him to do stunts and so forth. And he's been taking fight work with us and he's doing a really good job. At the moment, I wrote a script and it's at the studio level right now. I have a great producer. Um, uh, while I was on hiatus, aside from me writing the script, I also took the time to shoot a scene from the movie just for fun. 
you know, got a bunch of stunt guys together, got my friends together, pulled some favors and said, let's shoot this whole sequence that's inside of this movie so that we can show the studio, we can show the actors, we can show everyone that this is kind of the vibe that we're going for. And that's what I have been doing. And that's what hopefully um, next year, you know, you'll see me transition into the, into the director's chair, you know, the first unit chair, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the writer's chair. And you'll see the movie that I wrote as well as um, hopefully I'll be directing it next year. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a promising start for 2024 by the sounds of it there. And uh, the last question I have for you, Garrett, is, and this question has been asked everyone that's ever been on this show in terms of guests. Garrett Warren, what is your favorite spy movie of all time? Dude, you can't do that to me, but okay. Um, <laughs> you know, um, oh, man, I've forgotten the name of it now, and I wish I didn't. The Robert Redford, Brad Pitt one. Um, Spy Game. Yeah, I really do. I, I have to admit, I do love that movie. I love Brad Pitt in it. I love the setup. I love the fact that Robert Redford never leaves his his office in order to work with him, but you still see flashbacks. I love the character development, the character arcs. Um, but don't get me wrong. There are some amazing other spy movies out there. And Mission Impossible, you're amazing. Bond, you're amazing. I think that, of course, I can also say Casino Royale is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, what else is, um, oh, uh, Spectre. Spectre was a great film, cinematically genius. Um, I love the cast in that. I love the ending of the movie. It's just so hard because if you ask me, those are movies on a grand scale. Mm-hmm. But Spy Games was much more of an intimate story, you know? Mm. And like, if you look at Sicario, Sicario 1, amazing movie. Sicario 2, also another amazing movie, but two separate movies. The first one is really intimate. The second one is a much grander scale. It's like more of a war, you know? And I kind of gravitate more to, towards those intimate movies at times, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of stuck in that world where... That one always stands out. I'll never, ever not like that movie. I mean, you can't call it a spy movie, but Insider was a great film as well that, you know, uh, what is it? Michael Mann directed back in the day, you know, and it had um, um, Russell Crowe in it. It had uh, 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 Al Pacino. Al Pacino in it, you know. It wasn't really a spy movie, but it kind of was. You know, I, I gravitate towards those movies an awful lot. I really do. I think those movies really do make me go over the edge. Now, if you're talking about for fun, Mr. Mrs. Smith, hands down. Mrs. Mrs. Smith, spy movie, hands down, fun. Their dynamic, I dare you to find another dynamic in the history of cinema that is as genuine and awesome. The kiss that they do inside that kitchen after they fight is greatness it goes down with humphrey bogart you know um and gone with the wind it goes down with the upside down spider-man kiss you know um that toby did i I can't tell you how i was so impressed with that film even vince vaughn's character how funny he is and how real he is and the way he screams at his mom so when you guys say what's your favorite spy movie you have various levels and i'm sure a lot of people told you you can't ask me that and i'm sure people gave (laughs) you all those same kinds of answers i can't pick one i really can't but if i had to if you had a gun to my head i'd go to spy game great pick it's a great pick the the writer of the film is a avid listener to the show he'll be very happy to know (laughs) that you said that 
uh, Mr. Michael Frost Beckner. Hello, sir, if you're listening. Uh, but as for you, Garrett, I consider this a part one. I hope there will be a part two because we have a lot more to discuss. But it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. I hope you have a wonderful day and best of luck with your film in 2024. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Well, there you go, folks. That was our chat with Mr. Garrett Warren. I want to thank him once again for taking the time to speak with us all about his extensive work in spy movies. But Cam, let's talk about it. Ghosted. It's nice to hear that he had such a a, a close dynamic with the director on the film and they sort of complimented each other by the sounds of it. Yeah, from every interview I read, Dexter Fletcher was very proud of the bus sequence. And it was so fantastic to hear Garrett break it down in terms of the shooting and just how difficult it was. Like I genuinely thought he would say the revolving restaurant sequence was the more difficult of the two, but to hear him talk about the passion that um, that Dexter Fletcher had for the sequence, but also just the amount of work and the amount they had to actually figure out to pull it off, I thought was really interesting to hear. And and it's one thing I think the film does really well. I spoke about it in the review earlier this week is, yeah, these action sequences were so good that it made me send him an email that like minutes after I finished the film. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of these films can go on to streaming and just get lost. You think of something like The Gray Man, really to, to sort of vanish after a couple of weeks. It's these little stamps like this that make these moments stick in people's heads. And I, I would say, if anyone sat down and watched Ghosted, I think you'd still remember that bus sequence or the revolving restaurant sequence a couple of weeks later on. That, that will stick with you. Definitely. So I'm glad that they spent a lot of time working on it because I think it shows. Yeah, and I really was interested in hearing him talk about working with Chris Evans, in particular, just like the the actor playing a character who isn't necessarily trained for spycraft and how they make that work and talking about the background and that he has a wrestling background. We got to start from there and working in wrestling moves. I thought that was really interesting to hear how he's thinking about character when it comes to these sequences, which can often be just, I think by some regarded as more of a technical thing, but the fact that he was constantly very focused on how do we kind of tell the story of these action sequences through the character Chris Evans is playing. I thought that was just fascinating to hear. Yeah, and and kind of that answer was to your question about having action sequences and comedy spy films. It's something we also praise The Spy Who Dumped Me for, mm. having great action sequences, and this one does too. And it seems to be the magic sort of the recipe, as it were, is to just play it completely straight and let the sort of character come through in the moment instead of having like over-the-top action sequences, which you could you could have easily gotten away with in this film if you wanted to. Yeah, and it's been a while since I watched uh, Spy, which Garrett worked on as well. And my memory is that that actually has pretty solid action sequences as well. Yeah, it's it's one of those films, uh, Spy, I should say, is one of those films that is often referenced to me. I haven't seen it yet. I'm just going to wait to see it as a first time viewing for when we get there on the show. But uh, yeah, it's always I've always been told it has good action and, and it takes itself quite seriously despite it being a comedy. So I do look forward to that. And it, it does seem to be sort of the the right thing to do. And, and also speaking of uh, Ghosted, the other thing I was quite keen to just talk a little bit about with uh, Garrett was Anna Diarmas because, you know, I mentioned in the review, we were so close to getting that interview. It still stings my heart a little bit. So just to get a little bit closer to him, what she was like on the set and just how prepared she was for it and how much she was up for sort of getting involved with the action. Because I think it shows, even if you look at some of the behind the scenes footage for No Time to Die, for instance, 
she, uh, Anna, I should say, was shooting a lot of that stuff without even Daniel Craig being there just due to his injury. Did a lot of stuff with a stand-in. Yeah. She wanted that to work. She spent a lot of time training for that, and it shows because it is probably the best part of the entire film. And again, she's bringing that sort of action hero thing to the film. She, I, I dare say, I think she's one to watch in the future, despite already having quite a good career. But, you know, Ballerina we've got coming up soon as well. It looks very bright uh, for the sort of spy action genre when it comes to Anna de Armas. Yeah, and I would be very curious to see if she crosses over into other franchises as well in the future, because that, I think, is something that very much could happen as well. So you want her in Mission Possible 8, is what you're saying? It's too late for that one, I think. Uh, but you never know. You never know what the future could hold, right? And what other franchises will spring up that uh, involve spies as well? And you know, speaking of Mission Impossible, uh, Garrett also worked in Mission Impossible 3, a film that I'm sure we'll have in our sights in the next year or so. Mm-hmm. And just nice to hear a little bit about his thoughts on working with Tom on that film and also just his favorite stunts in the Mission series. It's interesting that you know he had quite, uh, quite a few things to say about the motorcycle sequence in Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, but you know he has a lot of love for sort of the more physical stuff that Tom did. Say the jump in Fallout was the one he referred to on, which I think is the one he actually broke his ankle on. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And have you ever watched those YouTube videos, the Stuntmen React videos? No, I haven't. Yeah, where they will show, you know, stuntmen... Uh, reacting. Bi- yeah, reacting to big sequences from big blockbuster movies involving stunts. And this was kind of like my own private version. I got to sit there and actually watch, you know, Garrett break down these stunts in Mission Impossibles and talk about what he really was impressed with. It was a lot of fun. I got to be honest. It really was. And, and speaking of a lot of fun, it looked like, and I haven't seen this film yet, it looked like you were having a lot of fun talking about Double Team. Double Team is a movie that like, my friend and I watched when we were teenagers and had the time of our lives with. And I saw it a few times. I know it doesn't necessarily have the best critical reputation, but it's a movie I hold in very fond regard. And I can't wait to cover it on the show. And to hear him talk about working with the tiger, I think anyone who saw Double Team remembers the tiger in that movie. And so... That was such a fun story. And as he mentioned, like that was earlier in his career. So like that's a real like trial by fire job fairly early into what will be a very long and uh, very successful career. Absolutely. And, and I, I haven't seen this bus sequence, but it sounds like he got uh, pretty, uh, pretty badly wrapped by that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's the thing about Double Team. Double Team has a lot of big stunts, a lot of big stunt moments that are very memorable. I'm looking forward to looking at that one too. A lot of uh, spy movies I haven't seen by the looks of it, and I call myself an expert. It's the worst, (laughs) isn't it? It's the worst. But, you know, I I really do see this, as I said to Garrett, as a part one. This man has an extensive filmography. I would love to just chat Logan with him. The man did Logan. What a Mm -hmm. film. Uh, Got a new Wolverine sort of film coming out in the next couple of years. It's all going on. And yeah, Avatar, there's a lot to talk about. So hopefully we'll have Garrett on once again for one of the films that we sort of brushed apart that we haven't reviewed yet. So Spy or Double Team, Mission Impossible 3, something like that. We'll have him back for some more. But it was great to sort of get the behind the scenes view of Ghosted. Definitely, yeah. I think uh, like we were mixed on Ghosted. Like it was um, kind of a back and forth in the review. But one thing I think we all agreed on was that the action was pretty darn impressive. I, I mean, I would go far as to say I was surprised by Ghosted. 
I had sure. rather low expectations and it exceeded them. Yeah. Uh, which I think prompted this entire interview. So, you know, thank you all for listening to our chat with Garrett Warren. Garrett, once again, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, but Cam, the question goes to you, sir. I think we may have a bit of a tonal whiplash once again on our hands. <laughs> What's happening next week? Scott, we are finishing up another franchise. We are going to bid adieu to the Cats and Dog series with a review of Cats and Dogs 2, The Revenge of Kitty Galore from 2010, and Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite from 2020. Now, because of the magic of editing, Cam has removed the three takes it took him to say that intro there. <laughs> and I wonder, I do wonder if that is more to do with his disdain for the Cats and Dogs franchise. Uh, we'll find out next week. You will find out. Um, and I would say there was no disdain coming off of Cats and Dogs, the original. Mm. I guess all of you listeners will have to find out if I felt differently by the time I got to the ends of Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite. <laughs> well, we know you're all howling for more Cats and Dogs content. And, you know, we, we thought it was best to bring him to a close. The third one has a bit of an interesting history, which we'll get into. But, yeah, your mission, folks, should you choose to accept it, is to join us next week as we say goodbye to the Cats and Dogs franchise as we review Cats and Dogs 2, The Revenge of Kitty Galore, and Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite, and find out if either of those two films make the knock list. If you like what you heard on this interview, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and become a Spy Hards diehard. If you do a written review, make sure you send it to us and we'll try our best to read it out on the show. If you don't already, make sure you follow us discreetly on social media at SpyHards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus now, we're on TikTok, look us up there as well. But until next week, folks, I'm off to go and shoehorn a motorcycle jump into the next episode. Mm-hmm.